Hey everybody, Big Anklevich here. I just thought I'd give you a quick uh, explanation for what's going on with this uh, episode today. So it's it's one of those lost episodes. Um, basically, here's what happened. Back in, what was it, 2019, I think it was, before the world came to an end, we had this amazing movie headed our way called Avengers Endgame. It was the sequel to Avengers Infinity War. And as we were headed toward it, Rish had this idea that we needed to talk about Avengers Infinity War and just how amazing it was that they did what they did in that movie before it was undone by Avengers Endgame. And so he hurried up and he had uh, me and uh, him and Marshall get together and we talked about just how kind of interesting and neat and exciting that was. And then each of us sent our recordings to Rish. And he received them and he got ready to go and edit it. And somehow he couldn't find his own recording. It had disappeared into the ether. And then Avengers Endgame came out. And now there was no point of even doing the episode and so he just kind of forgot about it. But not long ago, he discovered that recording that he couldn't find. And he thought, you know what? I still have the whole thing. Why not actually put this all together and see if anybody wants to listen to it? And so that's what he did. And so we have this episode of That Gets My Goat. It was a lost episode that's just out there. And now I guess you can... I don't know if it'll be interesting to look back on it now that you know what actually happened and see if that's interesting or you know, whatever. You can check it out and listen to it if you'd like. So take it away, Indy. Dr. Jones, how much more we dig? Not much more, Shorty. All the signs point to this spot. You're not afraid of curse? Not particularly. Indy, I think I find something. I don't believe it. Another lost episode. Indy, me got bad feeling about this. All right, short round. Throw it back in the hole. I'm going with your gut on this one. I'll try to keep my noises to a minimum. Uh... You talking about like you're not gonna fart as loud or something? Yeah, farts, chair moves, hits against the desk. It's okay, we have a whole fart reel, Marshall. You can you can do whatever you want. <laughs> we save all those noises. You should have gone for the head. Hi everybody, this is Big Anklevich coming at you with another That Gets My Goat. Here on my left is Mr. Rish Outfield, say hello to the folks at home, Rish. Hey guys, it's it's goat getting season. Nice, nice. I, it's goat getting weekend. They used to have a holiday where I lived. It was actually uh, the school teacher conference thing or whatever, and all the teachers would go to a conference. But it also just happened to happen on the weekend that deer hunting season opened because that's how into hunting people were where i lived but i don't live there anymore because nobody's into hunting in texas now they hunt the most dangerous game there 
<laughs> yeah. All right. And also along with us for the ride today is a voice you probably recognize. He's the man in charge of the Journey Into podcast, along with the very highly acclaimed Strewn Along the Path podcast and the Delusions of Grandeur podcast, as well as the very highly acclaimed... (laughs) (laughs) What, What did you guys call it? Shoot, I forgot it now. Outfield Excursions. Ah, there we go. Outfield Excursions podcast... And, oh, shoot, he just started another one. What is this one called, Marshall? Scat Along the Trail. Oh, the Scatological Podcast. Lovely. What's the sounder that you drop there every time, Rich Sheffield? I believe it's uh, Weird Al Yankovic singing constipated. (laughs) Oh, yes. No, no, no. No, no, no. (laughs) All right. So, yes, uh, Marshall Latham is here by our side for... An episode of That Gets My Goat, in which we uh, speak about our goat being gotten. Baram you! Yes. <laughs> I don't know that necessarily this is a, a, a complainy episode. I just really wanted us to get together and record this before Avengers Endgame came out, uh, just to talk about the last Avengers movie, Infinity War. I saw that, you know, back in May of, of 2018, and, uh, and I, I am assuming that you guys saw it around the exact same time, right? How, how close to opening weekend did you see it, Marshall? I believe I did see it opening weekend. And see, that's a movie that you kind of needed to for fear of somebody saying, holy smoke, did you see what happened in this Infinity Wars movie? The big purple Grimace guy, he was just like killing people left and right. Even Ronald. And so uh, we, all ha- we all saw that then. And, and I was just blown away that a, a big budget studio tentpole film like that would dare end the way that it did. I mean, not only to end with, you know, some of the good guys dying, but to have the villain win. Not just, you know, oh, technically he won like Khan in Wrath of Khan or something like, but inarguably he won at the end of the movie. Uh, I was just, I was blown, but by blown away, it was in a good way. I was blown away. But there were other people that were upset by that. My sister's friend told her not to let her kids go see that movie because she had taken her kids and they were heartbroken by it or or scarred for life or whatever silliness (laughs) and uh i thought that it would be cool to talk about that first you know i've written three questions down but but yeah before i ask the question in avengers 3 infinity war made 678 million dollars domestically and 2.04 billion worldwide which puts it as number four of all time domestic, number four of all time globally. So it was, not everybody was upset by this ending. People must have been okay with it. And so my question, my first question to you guys was, what was your reaction to the tone of this movie and the ending of this movie? And what was your family's 
reaction. Well, I'll give you more stats if you guys aren't going to answer. So the opening weekend was a 38% of its gross, which shows that people went back or that the word of mouth was good because it didn't drop gigantically and only the people that went the first weekend went. Okay, go ahead, Marshall. Yeah, I, I liked the movie. I enjoyed the ending, mainly because I knew it was set up for what was coming in the next movie. And I was willing to wait and let Thanos enjoy his moment. My kids were a little bit, I wouldn't say they were disheartened or scarred for life, but they were like, wow, why did they end it that way? You know, they were just a little bit like, why would they do that? And I said, well, to get you to come back next year and watch the the next one. But they all enjoyed it. They talked about it all the way home. So, yeah, I mean, I was blown away when when I saw the ending. Unfortunately, I don't I don't know that I can answer what the uh, reaction of my family was. I went and saw it by myself, <laughs> sadly. And I, I mean, we have done a show on this movie once before, and I remember talking about just the people around me in the theater that were gasping as the end happened and it went and I, I just re-watched the show last night just so that I could refresh my memory because I don't think I've seen it since that day that I went and saw it in the theater but yeah that sequence is really long as they go from one person to the next person to the next person to the next person and they show you all of them turning to dust all these characters that they've spent 10 years building up as friends and you know these you just keep going back and seeing what they're up to now in their marvel cinematic universe and it's quiet too like there's no music it's just kind of i mean there might be some really small you know low music but it's really quiet and there's that sound effect that plays with each person as they're dusted. It was really well done and really intense. And yeah, I just remember thinking, man, this, this is a moment that you're going to remember. I was way too young when The Empire Strikes Back came out to know what it was like when that happened, when people found Luke get thrashed by Darth Vader, lose his hand, and be also told, oh, by the way, I am your father. How you like me now? But I've heard stories about it, and it seems like a similar moment where people were just so blown away. You know, they, they just reveled in that first movie and how great it was and how much they loved Luke. And then uh, to see him brought so low was such a, a big deal. But yeah, I, I felt like the Infinity War it was the uh, Empire Strikes Back of, of a new generation. And I wish I could say how my kids felt about it. I'm sure they've seen it now, but I don't remember ever specifically talking with them about it. So I can't help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I talked to, I, I don't have kids, but I talked to my cousin's daughters uh, over Thanksgiving about it. And we were all talking about the Marvel Studios films and which is your favorite and which is your least favorite. 
And uh, all three of his girls said that Infinity War was their least favorite Marvel film. And his oldest girl, who I think was 11, uh, she got emotional just talking about how much she hated that movie, that they would kill all these people. And then Spider-Man, and he said, I don't want to go. And she, she was starting to tear up. And it just, it made me smile because a studio probably doesn't want to alienate any portion. They don't want to hear that this is somebody's least favorite of their movies. But, you know, Marvel or Kevin Feige or Disney or whoever makes these decisions believed enough in this project to say, no, that's how we're going to do it. That's how we're going to end it. And we have confidence that that people will, will, will come anyway, that people will enjoy the ride or that, you know, that this, this idea for how this movie will end is powerful enough that it's worth whatever bridges that we burn or goodwill that is lost with like little kids. And you'll hear a lot of times people say that these movies are for children or for man children, right? I, you, you've both heard that, right? <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. the, 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 that it, it works toward the infantile, in, infant. It makes infants out of uh, the audience that these characters and all that stuff were invented for children. And uh, yet it's grown-ups that are going to see it. Oh, you mean infantilize. That may be the word. I don't know. <laughs> I missed that day in nursery. Yeah, but I never watched Bill Maurer anyway. <laughs> but yeah, just like I said, I, I'm really impressed that they would that they would be willing to dedicate two hundred, two hundred and fifty million dollars to this script and say, No, we're going to do that. No ifs, ands, or buts about it the good guys are going to lose and the bad guys are going to win. Uh, Big brought up Empire Strikes Back and that is the perfect, the poster child for this bravery. Uh, and I'm always talking about just how brave it is of, of Lucas and Kasdan and Kirshner to have the bad guys win and, and have the good guys suffer so much in Empire Strikes Back. And it just doesn't feel like a kid's movie. It doesn't feel like the movies that you're used to seeing. People buy a ticket with sort of the implicit understanding that right is going to win, that evil will be punished. And again, kudos, Disney, that you guys said, yeah, yeah, go, go right ahead. Whatever it costs, we will do it. And that that gamble paid off, that that movie was a gargantuan hit. But yes, I too was too young to remember the fandom in, between 1980 and 1983. And I always regret that. I'd love to have been able to have arguments on the playground and talk to other people who, people's older brothers that are like, no, I heard that this was going to happen. And the, just the speculation for three years of what's going to happen and who is the other and, you know, is Han dead and what, what's the deal with Boba Fett and the Emperor, why did he have such weird eyes? He almost looked like a lady, but he, he had a man's voice and, you know, all these questions that are brought up in Empire Strikes Back that people had to wait three years to get answered 
we're kind of in a mini version of that right now. Before Endgame comes out and all those questions are answered, and, I mean, let's be frank, all of that negativity is undone. We've just got this one year to bask in it, to feel that, to not know what's going to happen with Han. Who is Leia going to choose? Is Lando a good guy or a bad guy? What does a Tauntaun's inside smell like? All these questions that we've got. <laughs> How hot are, are a Tauntaun's insides? Lukewarm. That's right. <laughs> Was that, were you setting that up? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I just, I, if it was a coincidence that you ask it in that way where I could give you the punchline, I would have felt really smart, but. <laughs> well, I, I guess, you know, with, with Empire Strikes Back, you know, I, I was 10 years old when I saw that. And I just remember kind of being, holy crap, you're old, Marshall. <laughs> I am. I'm an old man. <laughs> uh, but, Sorry, go on. Yeah, you know, I was worried about what was going to happen to Han. I just remember being somewhat i don't know not angry but just kind of like well i was mad at luke for believing darth vader that he was his father you know because i was one of those kids that said no of course he's not his father he's just lying about it and so i was kind of angry at luke for believing him and search your feelings marshall you know it to be true (laughs) yeah but i didn't (laughs) but marshall even if you didn't believe that he was his father there was no getting around the fact that luke lost that fight oh yeah not just you know a split decision oh tko the judge's ruling luke got one good hit in one lucky hit in the whole boxing match and the rest of the time he was on the mat the canvas was coming up to meet his face again and again what's that like as a little boy who i'm i'm assuming you idolized luke you pretended that you were luke as a seven-year-old boy because big and i sure did yeah i was i couldn't believe it was over that that was the end when the credits went up you know it seemed like there had to be something else something else going on but it was over, so I just I wanted to go back and see it again to see what I missed or what was 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 there something else there, that kind of thing. And were there people that you hung out with on the playground or in the lunchroom or at scout camp or whatever it is that didn't that hated Empire Strikes Back because of that? I don't remember that. I. I I think everybody was just excited to see what was going to happen next. Of course, like you said, we had to wait three years instead of just one, (laughs) like with Avengers. Can you imagine that big, what that would have been like? Because I I guess the only one I can remember from my childhood was the wait between Raiders and Temple of Doom. But that didn't, Raiders was a complete movie. Right. There was never any, you know, promise of more when that movie ended. It was like, Two years later, oh, you might, gosh, you know what they're making another one of? But yeah, three years as a child was an interminable amount of time. Yeah. Like, franchises would disappear in that much of a time when we were kids. You know, if you didn't, I don't know, you didn't do anything with G.I. Joe in the space of three years, 
the toys would be gone. No one would be buying them. It would, you know, I mean that. I mean that happened to Star Wars, really. I mean, once Return of the Jedi happened, they tried to limp along and still sell toys. They tried to make toys to the droids cartoon and stuff, <laughs> but it died off and went away when there wasn't a guarantee of something else coming. That is pretty weird, and and with. Stuff like that these days, you know, like Infinity War has always been meant to be two parts. And because of that, it's always been set to be a year apart from the other one. You know, they pumped it up, jumped it up like that. And they do that with a lot of stuff, things that are meant to be that way. You know, like Lord of the Rings, they had those come out once a year, every year in December. Uh, The Matrix sequels, shoot, they had those come out six months apart, right? Yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah, the Harry Potter movies, they jammed those things out as fast as they possibly could. You know, things that they know they're going to come out with more of, they they seem to really rush them now. I guess they're they're trying to avoid something like that happening where people are just like, "Oh, there's another Fantastic Beasts." So, yeah, it's it's a thing we don't have to deal with. <laughs> so, Rish with your cousin's daughters, they was their least favorite because the villain won at the end and and their heroes were dying. But did any of them say, well, I'm not going to go see Endgame because I didn't like the last one? My guess is that as soon as the trailers or TV spots start airing, they will clamor to find out how it all ends. And, and I would think that it was the same way with Return of the Jedi I uh, See, my mom took me to see Jedi that weekend of, of May the 25th. I saw it on the 26th, the, which was Saturday. And we were talking and she drove me to the movie and she had seen Empire Strikes Back and was just telling me that it wasn't good. And, that, and afterwards she said, oh, this one was much better than the last one. And so I just sort of took her word for it. And then I, when I got around my friends... Some of them had seen Empire Strikes Back, but most of them who were my age didn't. We just lived out in the middle of nowhere, and we were just too young, I guess, when Empire came out to have had our parents take us to it. But yeah, I still remember my mom saying that, you know, the Jedi was better than Empire, that the second one wasn't very good. And it has to be because she didn't like that aspect of it of the bad guys winning and the good guy getting hurt and you know the smooth cool guy getting frozen or killed or whatever you want to say happened to Han and I don't know I I think my my nieces are probably the exceptions because you know they took it so so negatively whereas most people I've talked to they were upset by the end of of Endgame and they were they did cry, but in, in a good way. It was just like it, like a roller coaster or like going to a haunted house where you are scared, but in a good way. I certainly, I, I, I took my nephews to it after I saw it on opening night, and I was much more emotional the second time when I was seeing it with my nephews because I knew what was coming, and... I enjoyed that ride. I enjoyed being manipulated emotionally. And, and so I think a lot of people felt that way. I don't know that people felt like the 
the understanding, the contract with the filmmakers had been broken. Although if somebody argued that, I, I would say, yeah, you're, you're right. You go to see a superhero film to see, you know, larger than life characters defeat evil. And, and that was definitely not what happened in this. Uh, I went to a writer's conference just the other day and they were saying, they were talking about film structure and the, the old Joseph Campbell what is that called, Big? The the cycle or whatever. Hero where, with a thousand faces? Right, but what do you call that where it's just like, okay, you get the call to action and refusal of the call and loss of the mentor, you know, all these these check marks that Joseph Campbell went through. And they said, you know, that you can apply that to a, almost any movie, any big movie of, of, of the last few years. And he said, except for Infinity War, I just, I couldn't do that until I looked at it as though Thanos was the protagonist. And then suddenly, there it was. All of these, these steps, all of these boxes were, were checked if Thanos is the protagonist of Infinity War. Hmm. And so, yeah, again, that somebody would have the guts to, to do that, to have him be the main character, and he's not... A black and white villain. There are shades of purple in that guy, and so uh, <laughs> well that that's what I was gonna say too. Was that you know one of the biggest criticisms people had about the Marvel Studios movies is that the villains were kind of lame, except for Loki. All the all the villains were kind of lame and were there for something to fight against, but didn't really have any good history or good motivations themselves they were just out to destroy the world or whatever like ultron or something like that but they definitely didn't have that problem with thanos you know so they they solved that issue <laughs> in uh infinity war well they solved it in infinity war let's hope that that's something they've learned and they can apply into other movies beyond that yeah Okay, then that, that, that brings me to my third question. I was going to sort of let us chat a little bit more about being in this, this one year where our heroes are dead and we're speculating what's going to happen and all that. Oh, well, let's do that. Let's talk about that, and then I'll bring up my last question. What's going to happen in Endgame? What do you want to see happen in Endgame, and what do you hope they don't do? Well, one of the biggest problems with the ending of infinity war is that you know it's it's a comic book ending it's gonna be undone somehow the uh, the only thing that you don't know is just you know i mean a we already know that the next movie after uh end game is spider-man far from home so we know that Spider-Man's death cannot be permanent. And just to make sure that we know that, they put out a trailer in which, for some reason, they don't even, at one time, make any mention of, oh yeah, Infinity War happened and stuff, but now we're doing this. Which, I don't know, maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, so you, you know that something has to be done you know that it's it's not going to be permanent uh but you know a lot of people aren't as clued in as us and i guess for those people that uh 
ending has more resonance. And I would assume your cousin's kids are people like that, where they don't know what's happening next. They don't know that there's a end game movie. They don't know that uh, Spider-Man is the movie that's already been announced. And so when they see him die, they're going to be all the more upset by it. But And they've done their best, Marvel has, to keep announcements of their further movies out of the press as much as possible to avoid spoilers. Yeah, it's just it's something that you know is going to happen. You just don't know how and how much of it will be undone. You know, will it just be the people who are dusted at the end that come back? Will it be further back? Will we see Gamora resurrected? Will we see Heimdall resurrected? Loki resurrected and Trying to think of who else gets killed throughout the course of the movie. All of the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> well, the, I mean, they went they went as dust, though. I'm thinking people that were killed killed, oh, like right. in the battle and and stuff like that, because that happened to a fair number of people as well. Vision, I guess. Yeah, will Vision come back? Because he died before the snap. He turned gray. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I wonder. I, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I hope they don't just like go back in time to fix it. And uh, other people have said stuff about, oh, yeah, Ant-Man is going to be important because it's going to be some kind of quantum realm thing that does it. Well, something that I keep hearing is, well, Captain Marvel is going to show up and she's just going to pound Thanos. And I, I, I hope that they don't do that. Because I want it to at least be the Avengers that defeat Thanos in an Avengers movie. Right. I want it to be these characters that we've followed for all these years instead of just somebody shows up for the very first time. Doomsday shows up for the very first time and kills Superman. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one you... thing that's neat, and you brought up that you know they, they made these movies back to back, they wrote these movies together, is... One thing that will be neat is clues that are set up in Infinity War that pay off in Endgame. And, of course, we have to see Endgame to know what those are. But one that has to be there is Doctor Strange looking at all the possible outcomes. There were were millions, right? Yeah, it was... Shoot, I can't remember the number. It was... But let's say it was like it was over ten million. Something million five hundred and six. And there was one where the good guys won. And there's a line when uh, when Tony says, "Why did you do that?" When he gives him the the time gem, and he says it was the only way. Right? Is that what he says, Big? Right. Meaning that there's something. There's some method to his madness. Some point because early on he tells. Tony that, you know, he'd sacrifice anybody. He'd even sacrifice the kid if it meant stopping Thanos because all of that is way more important. And then he goes back on that and I can't help but feel like, okay, that, that is there for a reason. They're not just making this up. And so that will be fun. And, and, and yes, I hope that it isn't something that comes out of left field that we could not have foreseen because it was made up on the spot and every once in a while you'll see something like that in a movie where it's sort of dishonest you know hey there's no way that that could have happened 
But yeah, uh, my my son was saying, or I was asking him, you know, what's he looking forward to seeing in in Endgame, and he said he's been watching things about conspiracies and theories and different things, and he was saying that Odin is going to come back and be a big part of it. But I I don't think that's true. I think that's just somebody else's theory or whatever. But I guess he could be a part of that. But uh, I'm kind of hoping it somewhat follows the Infinity Gauntlet comic book limited series. Not, I mean, it definitely hasn't followed it page for page or anything like that, which is good because this is a movie, not a comic. But I'm hoping that Nebula has a big part to play because in the comic book, she um, helps get the gauntlet away from Thanos and and is def- helps him become defeated, even though she kind of becomes power mad and uh, wants to use it for her own ends. And then she has to be defeated or whatever. But I would like to see her, because she's been in the Guardians movies and she was in Infinity War. Uh, but I'd really like to see that pay off, all that legwork with Nebula, that she can be a part of it. You know, maybe losing her sister in Gamora, you know, prompts her to to do something that defeats Thanos in some way. Last night when I was watching the movie, I noticed one thing at the very, very end in that very last shot where Thanos comes out and he sits down at uh, on his porch or whatever and watches the sunset and he's I can't remember how what he says in the line but he's finally free or he's finally successful or finally finished or something like that I noticed when you see the shot he sits down and He's got this weird like scarring or something on his neck and also on his shoulder. And he's also limping, it seems, as he walks out, Hmm. which doesn't make sense to me because he's got all those stones. He should be able to remake himself. You know, I was the, the thing that came to mind was, oh, okay, so he's still healing from, you know, Thor's axe blow. But I don't think that that's it. I wonder if it's something else. One thing that I was thinking might be interesting is if Thanos himself comes to the Avengers and says, Hey, listen, I was wrong. This was not the way. uh, This was not the plan that I thought it was going to be. It's not. It didn't work. It just made things worse. I need you guys to reverse it somehow. (laughs) You know, that might be interesting. That would be, I would not predict that happening in a hundred years. That would really surprise me. But also what Marshall said, if Odin showed up, that would really surprise me too. I've tried to stay away from spoilers. It's, it's hard because spoilers jump up in places that you wouldn't expect. Like they're already starting to release Endgame toys and there are spoilers in that. Mm. And it's like, oh, come on, guys. But... Yeah, when Thanos snaps his fingers, there is a shot and the gauntlet is completely burned and blackened and and melted onto his arm. And my assumption is that's where all the scars and stuff come from, is whatever happens when he does that, he is severely burned or 
it, it makes me think that the gauntlet is ruined. The gauntlet is broken. It cannot be used again. But there's the shot of another gauntlet earlier in the film when they go to the... Vi we'll just say it's the Dwarf Star Forge place. Yeah, what is Peter <laughs> Dinklage's character's name? Do you guys remember? Uli or something like that? The Giant Dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they make a point of showing that there is another gauntlet there. And so my thought is, well, okay, so that's a setup for them taking that gauntlet and getting all the crystals themselves so that they can undo things that maybe, you know, maybe the only way to undo the Infinity Gauntlet's magic is to have the Infinity Gauntlet do it. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going, and I don't want to know. I don't want to see any more trailers. I don't want to see any more action figures where you're like, oh, so-and-so is in this movie. Okay. I don't know how to avoid that. Except for the, the movie comes out in like eight minutes. <laughs> so I guess that's an advantage. But Marshall, you and I always talk about that. It was just like, okay, enough spoilers, guys. Please, how, what are you going to do to avoid them? Well, I guess I don't follow the toys as much, so that probably won't be a problem. But um, You will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if I keep watching Big's uh, YouTube channel. <laughs> I haven't had a problem not seeing the trailers, but my kids have seen the trailers and they want to talk about it. I said, nope, you can't talk to me about the trailer until I've seen the movie. Oh, interesting. Even tonight when I was talking to my kids about what they're wanting to see, my son let something slip that I was a little disappointed in, in learning. <laughs> well, one thing that Rish was telling me was that I guess Kevin Feige said for the trailers they they could only use footage from what is it the first twenty minutes? Yeah, that's what he said. Somebody interviewed him on the red carpet at the Golden Globes, and he said we're trying to keep everything under wraps, all of the surprises. So the only footage that we are allowing in the trailer is from the first twenty minutes of the movie, and and I was just like, what a great idea. You really don't even have to have any footage. You just let people know the day Endgame is coming out. <laughs> but I saw the Super Bowl ad and I saw the, the teaser or whatever. Maybe it's the only trailer we're going to get. Yeah, I didn't find anything significant, significantly spoilery there because the only characters they show are people who survived the snapping. So maybe that'll help avoid spoilers. And so, yeah, the, there's not the sudden uh, reappearance of somebody. So you're just like, oh, okay, well, we know so-and-so or so-and-so undied. I, I think Feige has done a really good job of controlling these things where, where he is the producer, but the directors each get, you know, their own style and their own, you know, they can tell their story. Uh, as long as it fits under his umbrella. I know that bothers some filmmakers, but you can't argue with the end product, especially with something like Black Panther or Infinity War, which are almost unanimously lauded and praised and appreciated. Well, should we go through who survived and who might still be alive? <laughs> okay, sure. Hey, Big, you have seen those two things? The trailers, yeah, I've seen those. Okay, so Marshall, yeah, one thing that... tell us what your son said, because yeah, it won't spoil anything for us. <laughs> okay, well, he just said, "Well, I was 
saying, do you think Ant-Man will be in there? And he says, oh, yeah, I saw the trailer. Ant-Man's in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but he was going to be in there. You knew he was going to. Yeah. Well, um, I can see Marshall being upset by that, though, because Ant-Man has ended on a cliffhanger. He He wasn't killed, but he's definitely put in a place where you're like, oh, no, Ant-Man is screwed. Oh, oh, okay. I guess he's all right. I guess he's fine <laughs> in the end. I can see that being upsetting. Yeah, that's true. But that, yeah, the, there's a shot in the trailer, Marshall, where Captain America and Black Widow are looking at a list of of heroes who have died, and there is a face on that list that we did not see die in Infinity War, and that to me it was just like, oh, okay, and th- I thought that that was kind of neat, but I'm not gonna say because. You're trying to avoid spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't notice that too, so I guess I'm, I'm glad you're not saying it because I don't remember that. But yeah, one thing that I thought was funny <laughs> was, uh, you know, we already know that there's a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and there was somebody right after Infinity War came out that made a little poster where it was like, Guardians of the Galaxy 3! And it was just somebody that had taken a picture of a raccoon. <laughs> just some raccoons sitting on a uh, like on the grass, and that was it. It was just a ra- raccoon. Thought that was funny. Yeah, that, that yeah. Was... The whole Guardians of the Galaxy crew is gone. Every one of them, but Rocket. Isn't that a, a brave? Isn't that amazing that they would do that? They couldn't predict that Black Panther would be as huge as it was, but to kill Black Panther right right after his movie becomes the the biggest hit of the year or the biggest hit of the the franchise is pretty cool. Uh, and then, of course, Spider-Man. And yeah, it's a shame. What can If the trailer for Far From Home had made it clear that this was set the summer after Homecoming, but before Infinity War, would that have helped anything? Or would it just be too... No, you know what? You don't get to make another Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it might have helped. I didn't know. Is it really set that way? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. But I'm just saying, if they said that in the trailer, that this is the summer vacation after homecoming, you know, it starts out with Peter saying, oh, what a year it's been. You know, after the homecoming dance came, you know, this and that. And then we went on vacation, not knowing that I would be killed at the end of Infinity War. But this happens before. And you're just like, <laughs> weird. Why, why would you know that you'd be killed? I, what do you think, Marshall? Is there Was there any way to get around that? If Sony has its own franchise and they've insisted that they're making these Spider-Man movies with or without you, and you're like, okay, with, with is definitely better. Is there any way they could have avoided the, well, obviously he comes back. I guess, yeah, that's about the only way is uh, setting it before the events of Infinity War. Yeah, I mean, that's what they did with Ant-Man, and that's what they've done with Captain Marvel. So, weaseled their way around that by doing, you know, by setting things, making them all prequels. <laughs> <laughs> My mom saw Ant-Man and the Wasp before she saw Infinity War. So, believe oh. <laughs> me, she was confused with that post credit sequence in, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'll bet. Yeah. Because they, they don't even explain. They don't tell you what has just happened they just expect you to know what has just happened which i think is also very brave and shows confidence in the audience it's not 
one of those where they expect the audience to be so dumb that they have to hit them over the head with something. That they have to explain every joke after they tell it. <laughs> yeah, they needed a little caption like in the comic books where it says, for more information, go to Adventures <laughs> Infinity War. Right. This <laughs> happened in issue 242. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they, they just needed uh, the director to come out and say, see what I did there? Yeah? You see? One thing that I really liked uh, in the end credit sequence where you get to see uh, the dusting of Maria Hill and uh, Nick Fury is just that they gave you another... Because the end scene, basically, we're on the battlefield in Wakanda. And we go around and see, okay, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy's gone. And then we cut straight to... What is this planet called? Titan? Titan. Is that what it is? Yeah. So we cut to Titan, and then we see this. Okay, these guys dusted this guy, this guy. That's pretty much it. You know what I mean? We see our characters. You don't see a wider world view of what's happened. You just know he said, okay, I get rid of half of the life in existence when I with the snap of my fingers. Then you get that post credit sequence where nick fury is driving and and it's basically what are the 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 rapture has occurred (laughs) because the car that's coming towards them suddenly skids out of the you know out of its course and crashes and they go to see if the person's okay and there's nobody in the car and then they turn around and you see a helicopter fall out of the sky and explode onto the side of a building because the pilot is gone you know, that's something that will be interesting to see in this new movie because I think it's supposed to be, like, set a year later. You know, they're, they're and what has happened, you know? The, the We'll get to see the left behind of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Kirk Cameron comes out and says, hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kirk Cameron is going to play a character, I hope. Um Well, see, that's one of the things that's disappointing, though, about this year in between the two movies is, and they did it on purpose, but, uh, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was not canceled, if you can believe that. Yeah. But they put it on hiatus until Endgame comes out, and it's going to be a summer series. But what a missed opportunity to show what happens in the world for the next year. Because I feel like that's at least half a season right there of just what kind of disasters happen? Who puts out fires? What happens to families? What happens to little kids? How much work falls in the laps of the few superheroes that are left? And dude, you don't have time to mourn when there are people trapped in burning buildings and you know subway trains are crashing and all this stuff because half of the people are gone. And and it's not always the unimportant half. I, I, I would love to follow a team of people, you know, whether Coulson is among them or whatever, of them trying to just make sense of this new world. And, and would you know what happened? I mean, how many people just think that it was the rapture? Right. And it's like, golly, Jimmy, you and I must have been sinners because we weren't taken <laughs> like your mother was. And I've been saying golly all this time, and it's been worthless. I could have been using all the dirty words that I wanted. 
Because I got left behind anyway. Yeah, I, I remember watching the, the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. waiting for some of them to get dusted. But they didn't do that, so. Yeah, sadly the show became more and more distanced from the movies after Joss left the show and after that first season. It's too bad because they didn't mention Thanos, if you recall, in that last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. But in a... I'm not... I, okay, I'll say it. In a sort of lame way... I agree. It should have been a little cooler than it was, and I... I I don't know. I, I, they, they were sure that they weren't going to get another season. So there was nothing stopping them from ending the series with the snapping. But I think they felt like, well, we want to let these characters go out on a high note with a happy ending. Because, you know, this is going to be it. And then it's uncancelled. So you're like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> but still, yeah, I have a million questions about the world post- Snapping, and you know, one of my questions is what happens in Wakanda? Does M'Baku immediately become king, or does he have to ha- fight? You know, do the whole thing that that happened in Black Panther to determine who can be the next king? You know what I mean? Stuff like that is interesting, and I don't think that we'll have that answered because it's there's just not enough time. It's like the way that. Ant-Man and the Wasp ended, I thought, well, is Ant-Man enough of a priority that we're going to see how he gets out of the quantum realm and all that stuff? Because it just seems like there's too many characters that are Avengers that need to have the spotlight for us to to have this little side quest with this thing. And yeah, now I guess we're bringing Captain Marvel into it, who to me is still a side character. Maybe a, a week from now, she won't be because we'll be seeing that movie. But yeah, I, I, I noticed that it's all the original Avengers from the first movie. They all survived. And so I thought, oh, well, that'll be kind of fitting to give them an adventure again. You know, and they'll all be together. But there was bad blood between Captain America and Iron Man. And how much of the movie do you dedicate to those two patching it up or put letting bygones be bygones i if you're right big and a whole year has passed isn't it likely that that would have already been put behind them yeah, i i don't know i mean the the other problem is that iron man is still on titan and it was a one-way trip i mean how does he get back the, the ship has crashed it's a dead world yeah i just figured nebula got there somehow so yeah she crashes her ship into to thanos at the in the middle of that fight but yeah maybe maybe nebula is his way back maybe that makes sense but likely doctor doctor strange was dusted oh he was okay i wasn't i couldn't remember yeah all the ones all the characters that you're like oh well you know Scarlet Witch just needs to say no more mutants and, and you know, she can change the entire universe <laughs> just like that. So she can, oh, nope, she's dusted. Well, maybe Doctor Strange can just, oh, nope, he's gone. <laughs> you know, all the easy ways out were taken from us. Maybe Wong is out there somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I get the impression that anything Doctor Strange can do, Wong might be able to do, right? Wong can do better. Wong can do anything better than you. Or uh, 
they said that the people on Xandar were ransacked or whatever, but maybe there's uh, some Xandarians still out there. Like maybe Nova? Oh, maybe. Well, I wouldn't want them to introduce Nova in this movie. I, no. It's like there's already enough characters. <laughs> no, I was thinking John C. Uh, Riley. No, they're not. They're all gone. They've been dusted. <laughs> they're going to bring Adam Warlock in. In, in this movie and he's going to make everything better. But yeah, I I do like that idea of that it's just your, and I noticed that too, the main five, I noticed that the day that I saw the film, it's like the main, what is it? It's not five, is it? It's six or seven? No, it's five. Anyways. I think seven if you counted Nick Fury, but you can't because he's dead. Okay, so the main six are still around. Yeah. As far as we know, I mean, Clint Barton was sir not appearing in that film but i'm pretty sure he's going to be in this one um i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure that he will be back hawkeye will return well right yeah i felt like if they were important enough we would have seen them die but then i saw that list in the trailer so so you know I know that somebody asked the Russos, like, okay, so-and-so and so-and-so, did they live or did they die? And there were a couple they wouldn't answer, like Valkyrie and Korg, they wouldn't answer. And I, I felt their absence quite a bit at the beginning of that movie, because I felt like they were pretty significant at the end of Ragnarok, pretty significant in sequel setup, in story potential, you know? Right. But Valkyrie would have been with the, and Korg too, would have been with the... Uh, Asgardians? They would have been with the Asgardians, and they were basically all killed, right? So shouldn't we assume that they were all killed too, even though they didn't appear? I don't think so. I think half of them were spared. But I don't know that that's made explicit. Marshall? What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I don't know either. I mean, some people were speculating that, like, Valkyrie had escaped or whatever before Thanos boarded the ship or something like that, but I don't know. Yeah, it's weird the way they chose to start that movie with that battle already having happened with the distress call. But, I mean, what can you do? The movie was already long, and, and I, I feel bad that we miss seeing what happens on Xandar with the Nova Corps and all those guys. Yeah. But again, the movie is putting together three different franchises and, uh, and you can't service everybody. Although it sounds like this, this next Avengers movie is even longer. So maybe all the loose ends will be tied up. Well, and the other outlier out there, speaking of Asgardians, is Sif, who wasn't even in... Thor Ragnarok. I don't know where she was hanging out, but she could come back. She's on the blind spot. That's where that's where uh, Sif is. I don't know that she'll be coming back, at least until that show ends. I don't know. Yeah, isn't she supposed to be Thor's love, like her his final longest love, like more than Jane Foster or something? Yeah, in the comics, she is. She is his true love wife of thor kind of thing in the way that mary jane watson is peter parker's true love yeah but uh they had that jane foster thing going and i i guess if they had known where it was going maybe they could have built up sif a little bit more but 
alas. Well, there you go. Maybe Jane Foster could come back and become Thor, just like she did in the comics, and then... I guess, but I thought she was... She chose not to come back. Not Jane Foster, but Natalie Portman. Yeah, I think she... I think that's right. Yeah. Do you get to do that? Don't they freaking contract those actors up like ironclad <laughs> i guess but if they don't want to do it i don't know all right okay so so let's just cut to the to to the end of this thing i, I feel bad uh where big comes from it's already six months from now that's that's texas time for you <laughs> whenever big and i talk about a movie failing or succeeding at the box office we lament the fact, it's not an opinion, it's fact, that Hollywood always learns the wrong lesson from a film's success or failure. What lessons are to be learned from Avengers Infinity War? Uh, trust your audience. Don't, uh, you don't have to uh, spoon feed everything out. If you take the time... To lay the groundwork, you can do anything. That's what they should learn. They spent 10 years building toward this. And I don't know, maybe it wasn't all building toward this, but they, I mean, even considering the properties that they brought in, and all the way back in the first Avengers movies when they first introduced us to Thanos and... They brought in the Guardians of, of the Galaxy to give us this wider space universe so that Thanos had a place to live. And uh, we got to see more of this guy who is coming for us. Why would they have done the Guardians of the Galaxy otherwise? Like, seriously, the Guardians of the Galaxy was what they thought was the, the wise choice for the next big franchise I, I remember when rish told me about it, i was like who the hell is the guardians of the galaxy <laughs> and he had to explain it to me and he's like yeah i don't know i think they're crazy because nobody's heard of these nobody likes them they've been around for like 40 years and they have hardly ever even had their own books they're just they're they're not characters that people are clamoring for why are they doing it i don't know but uh apparently you know you really you you get a plan and you stick to it Gosh, consider how much money they've made in all that time as well by sticking to that plan. And it just keeps building. You know, their early movies, yeah, they were successful. But now, you know, they put out two movies. So the worldwide box office was two billion something, right? With Infinity War. Infinity War. Yeah. And on top of that, Black Panther was one point seven or eight billion worldwide that's the same year they put out those movies you know you you get a really good plan and you stick to it for years and now look where they are and i'm it's probably to the point where pretty much anything they put out is going to make at least a billion what did ant-man make the ant-man and the wasp did that one make it over a billion i would guess not but i don't know I don't think it did. I, I've got the stats right here. But you'd be crazy to think an Ant-Man movie could make a billion, though, right? You've got to have... Yeah, I mean, you would think so, but... You've got to have much lowered expectations. So the first Ant-Man, uh, 2015, 
made $180 million domestic, $519 million worldwide, so half a billion dollars. The second one, 2018, made 216 domestic, 622 million worldwide. So even closer, but still not quite. So it's not to the point where they'll make a billion off of anything. I mean, but Ant-Man is, yeah. I mean, the fact that they're making half a billion, that should be like a whole episode of That's Incredible. <laughs> It's just crazy that Ant-Man is a movie at all, much less that it's making a half a billion dollars twice. And yeah, I think that, you know, you, I don't know. What lesson do you think they should have learned? You still there, Rish? I'm I, talking to you. I'm, I'm here. I, I, <laughs> I, I was not prepared for you to turn my own question back on me. <laughs> oh, now the tables have been turned. But yeah, uh, whoever said trust your audience, it's right there. Um, the, if you care enough to put the time and effort and resources into this, then then the audience will be there uh, as long as the movie is good. I, I, I honestly don't think there has been a stinker in the Marvel Cinematic Universe yet. There have been a couple that I didn't care for. But even those where I, I was able to say, no, this, this was cool. And oh, I know people that really liked that one. And, but if you're Marvel Studios, the lesson you learn is we can do anything. We can do a uh, Eternals movie. Who, what, what is the Jack Kirby property that they keep threatening they're going to make into a movie? Yeah, that's it. They're the Eternals. And see, yeah, I would say, don't, don't do it. it. Don't Holy do cow, it. no. Don't do it. Don't but because do it. it's Marvel Studios, I'm not going to say that. I'll like, okay, I, I don't see it, but I will go see it. You know, like, like Sony, because Venom did well, they're like, okay, we were going to make a Black Cat teams up with the Silver Sable movie. Right. But we're not going to do that because Venom did well. Instead, we're going to give Black Cat and Silver Sable their own movies. And you're just like, well, I'm not sure that that's going to help. But if, if it's well enough done, and it's done with passion and love for these characters, there's somebody out there that loves every one of these characters. And so, yeah, I guess that's the lesson that can be learned. I don't know. The, 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 the negative lesson that Hollywood could learn is... You know, you can end things on a, a huge cliffhanger and people will come to see the second one. We should do two at the same time, always. <laughs> the movie and its sequel at the same time. I, I don't know. Like when these Avatar movies that they're making, four of at the same time start coming out. What if the first one makes half or a third of what the 2009 Avatar made? It probably will. That's the thing that I, when I hear that they're making all of these Avatar movies, I'm like, are you guys kidding? Like, who talks about Avatar anymore? I think it was a YouTube video or something that I was watching where they were talking about Avatar and saying, you know, this movie was the biggest movie ever. The biggest movie of all time. And how has it made no footprint, you know, in popular culture? Ten years later, you know, people talked way more about Titanic 
than Avatar. Avatar came and it had its time and it went and it's forgotten, basically. <laughs> Nobody cares. And when it comes back, people are going to be like, huh? Oh, yeah, I remember that movie. That, that was like 12 years ago, right? <laughs> and it, it will when be. I was five. It will be 12 years. Yeah, I, but... I think it'll be really unlikely for it to make anywhere near as much money as the last one did. Well, see, that's what I think, too. But the lesson that you learned from Avatar's success is not, oh, convert everything to 3D, which is the lesson that the studios actually took from it. Right. But trust James Cameron. He knows how to make a movie that people will go to. That's the, and so if you, if you really want to make four of these, okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's you, James Cameron, all right. Yeah, by his sheer will, he's gonna he's gonna try to manifest the uh, the Avatar success with his five movies or whatever. He does seem to find a way. He doesn't make a lot of movies, but every one that he makes really does something special. It's yeah, it's an that event. Surprising. And it's because he knows what audiences will respond to. And 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 Marshall, you're just as old as we are. There was so much negativity before titanic came out fox had spent so much money on that movie that they ran out of money and had to beg paramount for help and you're just like oh my gosh 200 million dollars for a chick flick this is crazy this is uh this is going to be cleopatra of the 1990s and cameron was like no people are going to dig that this is going to change people's lives and it did the wave of titanic mania was unlike anything i have seen in my lifetime and so somehow he knew what was up and i'm i wouldn't bet against him yeah i guess we'll see what happens with avatar were you gonna bring up alita battle angel marshall i was yeah because didn't he make avatar so that he could prepare to to adapt alita I don't know. He had had the rights to that for a long, long time because I think it was a manga and then it was an anime. Yep. And he had scooped up the rights to make it himself and uh, at somewhere along the line he decided that he's only going to make Avatar movies from until the day he dies. And so he gave it to uh, Robert Rodriguez to make, which it, it would not be the first choice that I would have, but... <laughs> I don't know that that counts as a James Cameron movie in the same way as like Strange Days or Point Break don't count as James Cameron movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, we're not here to talk about the that. But uh, <laughs> it will be fun to see when the trailers first hit if there are people that... Because what's weird, and Big and I are always talking about this, the, the power of nostalgia, it will have been long enough that the kids who were kids during Avatar have grown up and can have memories and warm, nostalgic feelings for Avatar. You may well even have parents who will be like, I saw that when I was a teenager. Come with me and you'll see it in love. What was the name of the planet? Pandora 2. <laughs> Janice, you were conceived during the third hour of Avatar. <laughs> I remember they talked about like 
people who were having some kind of depressive disorder or something like that when they had to leave Avatar and, and had to leave that wonderful world of Pandora behind <laughs> and live in the real drudgery of Earth. It was uh, strange days. Okay, well, I want to thank Marshall for uh, giving up his evening and Big, of course, what were you going to do? Eat and sleep? Eh, thank you for yeah. uh, indulging me in this episode where we look back at Infinity War one last time because once Endgame comes out, it's all changed. It's all different. You don't have the perspective of what if or what I wonder what or I think they'll do this. That, that's all gone. I, I read an interview with Gary Kurtz from 1980, somebody had interviewed him after The Empire Strikes Back came out. And they were asking him questions about who is the other and what's going to happen with the, the other Star Wars movies. And he was so, so wrong. But in a really quaint way of, you know, it's like, well, I, I can't give it away, but we haven't met the other yet. And it's probably going to be two more movies before that character is introduced and <laughs> you know you're, you're not going to see the empire emperor in the next movie but the movie after that you know it's like back when george lucas still was planning on doing like 12 of these gary kurtz thought one thing and then uh, you know it never happened but it's just like that's such an interesting time before the door closed on those star wars movies and uh it was neat that we've got to be in that time for the Avengers. Yeah. Most definitely. And it better make a lot of money because this is, what, Robert Downey Jr.'s ninth Marvel movie? If you count Homecoming? Well, you gotta, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was in that a fair amount. So his salary alone probably counts for quite a bit. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, and it, it the time is going to pass us by really quick, and and we'll be beyond those days, and it'll be like us looking back at Avatar and being like, yeah, remember when people remembered what Avatar was, and they didn't just call it Dances with Smurfs. Uh, we'll see how uh, how it goes. I guess see what predictions. Do we make any really interesting predictions in all of this? <laughs> We didn't, but I didn't figure that was the intention. If you, if you wanted to talk about, like, oh, I'm sure so-and-so will die, or I'm sure so this is how they'll defeat Thanos, maybe we should have done that, but that's not really what I wanted to do. Did, is that what you guys wanted to do? No, I was just going to say, hopefully some of our predictions come true, or we can see whether our predictions came true. We'll be able to find out if Thanos becomes repentant and comes back to the uh, Avengers and says, Hey guys, seriously, can you fix this? Because I picked the wrong choice. <laughs> that's that's my prediction. We'll see if I get it. Or if I'm like Kurtz and I'm totally wrong. Yeah, I hope that you're wrong, man. <laughs> then i'll go back to my uh, nebula prediction that she's going to be a big part of the uh, solution to the problem all right well i think that we have wrapped <laughs> this up so i'm gonna bid everyone adieu thanks for listening to another episode of that gets my goat say goodbye everybody marshall thanks for being here with us you bet goodbye everybody 
And Rich Outfield, thanks for staying up so late with me. Oh, I was going to anyway. Just oh. thinking about podcasting when I'm not podcasting. <laughs> I guess that I don't matter at all then. You would have done it anyways. Fine. <sighs> all right. We'll see you later, folks. Thanks for listening. Next time, we'll be back with uh, Captain Marvel, I'm sure. Yeah, that came out three weeks ago. <clears throat> I'm slow at editing. <laughs> Whoopsie. Ah, Soundwave. What have you learned from your reconnaissance? Great Megatron, we have surveyed this area and discovered two things. One, a small mine found to contain enough raw materials to produce 47 energon cubes. Good, good. And the other? That the That Gets My Goat podcast has been produced under a Creative Commons 3.0 No Derivatives license. What does that mean? That the podcast is free to listen to, download, and share liberally, but it cannot be altered, sold, or made claims upon. I don't understand. One cannot credit the podcast's content as their own, nor can they attempt to sell it or make changes to it. No, no, you fool. What in the name of Unicron is a podcast? Merely more evidence in the inferiority of these flesh-based earth creatures. Yes, Soundwave, and it will make it all the more satisfying to crush them. Indeed, Lord Megatron, indeed. Just make sure you podcast it when we do. <laughs> it is a voice you probably recognize. He's the man in charge of the... Wow, into the woods. <laughs> I think that was Sorry. Stephen Sondheim. Let me... let me start that over. He's the man in charge of... <clears throat> let me start that over in a way that you can use. Speaking of Asgardians is Sif. I don't know where she was hanging out. Uh, she was on the... Uh, what's the name of her show? The, the Tattooed Lady oh, Show. Oh, yeah, where she has the tattoos. Yeah. What is it called? Flashpoint or Breakpoint or something like that. Flashdance. Breakdance. The, the crappening. The, the, the... God, it's on the tip of my tongue. I hate that. Is that still on? Yeah. Oh. I watched a little bit of it when it first came out. But... Let's see. Sif. Jamie Alexander Sif. is the actress's name. It's the... the... Break point, the blind side. Point break. Blind side? No, that's center bullock. Blind spot. Okay, I'm so I was so close. Blind spot. Okay, I'm gonna now go back, edit all that crap out. <laughs>